you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, J-Mac, mm-hmm. or Sherry V and J-Mac are on tap. I get out of the practice, J-Mac. It's great to have you back. <laughs> I got to remember uh, how we do it. But uh, J-Mac and Sherry V are on tap to help us navigate the show. Yeah. And we appreciate them both. It's great to have J-Mac back with us. And also, um, it's, it's great to have Sherry V. I just want to just uh, publicly say how much I appreciate Sherry B. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry B has worked with us for a long time on our program, and uh, we really appreciate how thorough she is and how much care she shows um, for the work that she does. Call screening is not easy to do right. in the sense that you've got to make a lot of decisions in real quick time, right? and you've got to get enough information to discern how you're going to handle the calls that are coming in from all across the country. And so I just want to say, and I was thinking about this today, and I sent this actually to Sherry in an email, um, that we often think about how much we appreciate Sherry B. And we often like, you know, <laughs> clown about how thorough she is and how detailed she is. But we don't often say that publicly. We just say Sherry B's on tap, J Max on tap, <laughs> or Marty or whatever. You know, yeah. we but I think sometimes it's not understood exactly what the team does because of the people who talk so much, like, you know, like Will the Great. Yeah, right. <clears throat> <laughs> those people go on and on and on. And so you can kind of not, you know, all the time think about all the other details that are going into hmm. the production of a live radio program that also features um, uh, calls. Yeah. That we don't know what people are going to say. Don't know. That's why. Not I, a clue. We only know when you start talking. The delay button right here. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so Sherry B is um, doing her very best to discern those calls and to, to get them on. Um, at her discretion and based on her knowledge of us, not only what we do publicly, but knowing the thrust of our show and what we talk about and, and, and the things that, that we try to bring to you. And so anyway, I just want to take this as a public opportunity to say how much we appreciate Sherry B. She does an incredible job and uh, we're glad and grateful to be in the trenches with her. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Happy Monday. Um, that's good. Oh, I was going to make a joke, but I don't know if people can handle it. I'm sorry, Uh-oh. but that's good. It's a good thing to have a little catch there, though. Um, Sherry B. All right. Uh, I'll tell Sherry B in a text message. All right. Here we go. Um, <laughs> it is uh, it is Monday. It is MLK Day. Mm-hmm. Um, national holiday here. National holiday uh, made possible by um, by President Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And so as as we look at this, it's it, I think it's one of those things where you have people who want to politicize a lot of conversations about um, ethnicity and culture and all of those things. But those who would seek to politicize it then have to also acknowledge that um, it's the Republican president. That <laughs> Is that petty? Is that no, wrong? I mean, can I, can facts. I just, can I just facts. say that? I mean, okay. you know, it, it, it's just one of those things yeah, that you just have yeah. to acknowledge like, Hey people, you know, just in case we're all not sure or don't, you know, do a lot of, uh, 
reading. <laughs> Anyways, um, but so so today's program, I want to um, have a conversation around when knowledge uh, begins without God. And I kind of I was kind of conflicted on how to call this this program. Right. Like I, I almost thought um, we should say to be accurate, we should say that knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord, that that is the beginning of knowledge, right? That the fear of, of, of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and, but, but at the same time, I, I wanted to make a case here Mm -hmm. that what we have in the way of the way our kids are educated in this country is we have the attempt at knowledge without God at the beginning. And when you have the attempt at knowledge without God in the beginning, then you have what what I believe are sort of like the should be expected or even the natural um, progression Mm -hmm. from there, Mm -hmm. which is error or Uh, fiction. And what's funny about that, you know, at the founding of the country, it was reversed. It was like they understood that (laughs) the Bible and godly wisdom was the you know beginning of that. So. They had that in the schools or, yes. in the, you know, when they were educating, they used the Bible as a textbook. You yes. Know? So there was a knowledge, understanding of mm-hmm. what is supposed to be important. But that over time has, you know. And over time, because what you just said is true, we actually have a weakening of this country. Like I yes. was thinking about something. So, you know, we ha- had a conversation with our kids and um, and this morning I was sharing with them that it's MLK Day and talking about um, the late Martin Luther King Jr. as a civil rights leader, um, as an activist, um, as a as a pastor, a flawed man, a mm-hmm. flawed man. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an exaggeration. But as someone who was instrumental in drawing attention to inequalities um, in this country. And it's interesting, though, because when you begin teaching your kids from a biblical perspective, when you begin teaching your kids from a biblical perspective, there are certain things that you don't have to be afraid of. And I want to talk about that here, because I think that there are a lot of things that um, we have found to sort of... um, be a little bit insidious. They've kind of made their way into the halls of our schoolhouses and they've made their way into our churches. <clears throat> Excuse me. And partly the reason for that is because we have attempted knowledge without the fear of God. Mm. We have attempted insight. We have attempted wisdom and we have tried those things or we have attempted those things apart from God. But as so often is the case, I have found that, Our children teach me um, a lot about what the foundation of scripture does for their understanding. Mm -hmm. So let me make, let me, let me kind of set up here and and back up. So there were, um, there were times where I've thought about, man, you know, how do we teach our kids? We we just want to teach our kids history. We want our kids to understand um, the world from a biblical view, a biblical perspective, and we want them to be able to process um, historical events, things that have happened in light of what God says about mankind, in light of the fallenness of mankind. But if I could just be honest with you, there are times that I have wrestled because I've thought, are they mature enough to be able to process the nuances of the human sin nature and to understand 
um, what people are capable of without um, believing extremes of the possibilities. Mm. I don't know if I'm making sense here. I've, I've tried to protect our children from um, going too far in any one direction based on the topic of conversation that we're having. Yeah. So I don't want people thinking, I don't want our kids, let me say it this way, I don't want our kids, I don't want people <laughs> thinking, but I'm not necessarily teaching people, I'm teaching my kids, okay? I don't want my kids thinking that just because of the color of someone's skin, mm -hmm. only that person is capable of partiality. Mm -hmm. Only that person, mm -hmm. as our culture mm -hmm. um, commonly or collectively calls it racism, which I have to explain to them because we refer to it as partiality. So we That's want right. them to understand these cultural terms, even though we find those terms to be inaccurate. Right. right? So I don't want the kids thinking that, guys, I'm, look, I, I try to do PC and, and try to like, be OK <laughs> um, for people. But let me just tell it to you flat. I'm going to tell it to you the way that um, I had this discussion with our kids today because it's January 17th. And because we happen to educate them at home. So we look at a whole education with them. Right. So this is what I, I was talking to them about. There are people in our culture who believe that only white people can be racist. They don't believe that black people can be racist. Mm -hmm. We call that partiality. But sin in the human heart makes it possible for anyone to be right. given to partiality and not just along skin color lines. Right. Right. You can be partial to someone for whatever reason that you choose. And because the wickedness of man's heart um, allows for uh, probably innumerable. I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but <laughs> lots of different possibilities. Let me just yeah, say it that a way. A whole bunch. A whole bunch of <laughs> possibilities. There are so many ways that people can be given to partiality. Mm -hmm. So just so happens that because we are talking about this today and we are talking about current events. Also, as we're reading through the scriptures, we're reading through the book of Genesis. Um, we had already read the scriptures and then we get into talking about history and, and talking about um, that today is MLK uh, junior day and that this is a national holiday, a federal holiday. So we start talking about this and, um, but our kids were able to make some connections from the story they'd read in the Bible just earlier in the morning mm. <laughs> that showed, well, look at that. whoa, the sinfulness <laughs> in the human heart it's not limited, limited to American history. Come on. Okay. Now, guys, this is, this is kind of the sweet spot. This is where we want to be when we're trying to teach our kids about the human condition. We want them to understand. We want them to understand that the sinfulness of mankind is clearly communicated to us in Scripture, that the extent of the depravity of man is communicated to us in Scripture, that God shows us that apart from him, that the, the extent that man will go to to, to um, serve his own interests, to meet his own needs, mm -hmm. right? That th it, it is shocking, but it is also consistent. Yeah. So let me, let me make the case. So here's sort of like the anchor the anchor verse when you talk about knowledge. And again, and here's here's what I want you to keep in mind. Our kids right now are largely receiving an education that absents God. Okay? Our kids are receiving an education where they are told that there is no place for God in this discussion. That's right. And at the same time, increasingly, they are being taught things, mm -hmm. okay, that actually take a religious view, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The questions of what's evil, what is right and what is wrong, how, 
how are men and women made? What what is the the proper design of male and female? What is that? Is that something that can be changed? Is that immutable? And yet, at the same time that these questions are being raised with our children, they are not able to bring what we hope is their own faith. We hope that it is a faith that is true to them, not just something that you've told them. But they're on, and, and, and it doesn't matter because no matter what it is, they can't bring that into the conversation. They're being told, no, we will have these conversations. You will learn. You will receive knowledge, but that knowledge will be apart from God. Right. So having said that, uh, Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now I want you to think about that in terms of when we talk about critical race theory, when we talk about um, sexual identity and, and, and what is called sexual orientation and all of these things that are the current um, publicly engaged topics, right? For our kids at all levels, at all ages, this conversation is usually had around sort of like the understanding that what the kid is receiving is knowledge, Kids are told knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. You got to know. The, um, one of the catchphrases is uh, go educate yourself. Go learn and yeah. then come back to the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. But all of this is presented apart from God. So even as I'm talking to the kids about MLK Day and talking about our country's history, I'm doing this after having read Genesis chapter 37. And Genesis chapter 37 is the account of Joseph, the son of Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. Joseph, the dreamer, who presents to his brother, his brothers, that he's been having some dreams. You guys remember this from like your Sunday school, right? <laughs> he's got he's got the coat of many colors. Yeah, everybody right? remember that. He's the favorite one. You probably colored that coat, didn't you? Probably yeah, sure colored did. that coat. You know, sure did. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> all right. He he's the favorite one, and he's the dreamer. Mm-hmm. And just so happens that the one who's got the 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 favorite coat also is having dreams that it seems like people are bowing down to him. <laughs> hey, hey. I mean, you can't make this up, right? We're going to grab the break, and when we come back on the other side of the break, if you haven't read the story, I'll fill you in on some of the details. (laughs) Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and be right back. You've been my savior, sustainer, when I'm at my end. My healer, redeemer, again and again. My mother and my father, brother, sister, and friend. Everything I needed, Lord, you've always been. Everything I needed, Lord, you've always been. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and it's unspoken. You've always been. Sherry B and J Mac are on tap, helping us navigate the show. Please stick around. We're going to get around to some of your phone calls in the last segment here as we explore what happens when knowledge begins without God. Now, that is an impossibility, right? Like you can you can have the acquisition of information 
right? But knowledge and wisdom and insight come from God. In fact, they are unavailable. They are unavailable apart from God. All truth has to come from God and the understanding that comes along with truth that comes from God also comes from God. And so on a day like today, when we're looking at all the things that are going across, going on across our country, I don't have concerns. I just want to tell you something. I don't have concerns about, um, will we be navigating woke children like in our household? Right. (laughs) Because this is an ideology that is based in a philosophy based on a philosophy that denies the knowledge of God. It denies the existence of sin in the human heart and Mm. the possibilities of sin in the human heart when sin goes unchecked. Mm. Right. (laughs) So the conversations that we have today that we kind of try to avoid because like they make us uncomfortable. So we want to kind of clean things up, sanitize. We don't have to do that if we start with biblical knowledge. If we start with the knowledge of God for our children, our children are actually able to process the fact that sin lives in the human heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that we need a savior, <laughs> that we need to be redeemed. We need to be set free from this sin. So even as we we're talking mm-hmm. about this today, we started mm-hmm. off this morning in Genesis chapter 37. And um, it's all of chapter 37, but I'm going to start with chapter 37, verse 12, just in the interest of time here. So we can kind of have a little bit of a conversation around this. And I want you to think what might be the natural sort of arrival of your kids if you begin with the scriptures and teaching them all things. Like, what if you don't begin with, I mean, this is a joke, you know, like, what if you don't begin with 1619? (laughs) Or, or what if you don't begin with 1776? Right. What if, what if you begin with in the beginning? Genesis. With Genesis. (laughs) Back to Genesis. What if you go back to Genesis? (laughs) And what if you allow for kids to have a knowledge and an understanding that God intends for them to have? Yeah. Then maybe we wouldn't have to worry about our kids becoming victims of what is currently being taught in our culture. It would make things easier. Like we complicate things by not going to the Bible. Yes. Because the answers are there. And so we're trying to bring in all this other stuff. When we go to the word of God, we can see that the root cause is sin in, in a, in a uh, man's heart, you know, yes. but we try to do all these other things. The Bible makes it much more simple. Yes. And, and I'm going to tell you something. There is an, there is an excitement. Um, I'll just say for me personally, there is an excitement that the weight of so much gets lifted off my shoulders because of my, um, my assurance that the scriptures are trustworthy. Mm. When you know that you can trust the word of God, there is a weight that is lifted off your shoulders. So I'm not again, just to to make it very plain here. I'm not concerned about raising woke children. Yeah, I'm not concerned about them all of a sudden rejecting the truth that they have received because the foundation is the truth. It's not the foundation (laughs) of man's wisdom. And then all of a sudden thinking, oh, you know what? I better teach them some Bible lessons. On. on top of man's wisdom. No, the foundation is the truth. It's the word of God. And the truth is a repellent to all of that other stuff. Amen. <laughs> right? Start with the truth. If you want yes. your, your children to be, you know, shielded from that, the truth of God's word is a repellent to all those lies. Amen. Point blank. Full stop. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 37, verse 12. And, and I'll, I'll kind of bring you into a little bit of the conversation that we had in our kids range in ages from uh, at the end of this month, uh, 15 down to one. Um, but the kind of conversation that you're that I'm going to allude to this morning is with what we call the big three. So that's uh, 14 and some change. I mean, 
almost 15. <laughs> I don't know how to call it. She she says she's not 15 until officially 15. Yeah. On the 31st of January. I mean, I feel like that's 15, but I she's like, mom, like I'm not. She's like, mom, I'm not. I'm not. Like this, this kid is like, by the book, she's like, I'm not really 15. So, okay, 14. Okay. And then uh, 13 and then 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're having this conversation this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 12. Talking about Joseph in context here. Go back and read it if you're not familiar with the story. Kind of brush up on it. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to them, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Man, I'm telling you, man, the Bible is so rich. Like, the Bible is so rich. Okay, (laughs) here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. Mm. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. JD said uh, this morning, he goes, he was being a good brother. (laughs) It's like, well, I mean, versus, you know, killing him. Like, I mean, you know, he was going to go back and get him. Like, I mean, that's, you know, but they're just like, they're processing. They're like, that was the good step I mean, to yeah. take, you know? Yeah. Of the anyway. two, of the evils, he was the less, you know, I guess. It was less, yeah. less evil. Um, <laughs> that he might rescue him out of their hands and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, that robe, mm-hmm. the robe of many colors that he wore, verse 24. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. That's a good thing. <laughs> then they sat down to eat. And looking up, <laughs> they funny. saw a caravan of... Can you imagine? <laughs> All right, let's have lunch, y'all. Y'all, y'all you ready for your sandwich? <laughs> the dreamer's in the pit. Man. We don't have to worry about him and his dreams. Ain't nobody wow. going to be bowing down to him. <laughs> or so they think. You ready for this sandwich? Wow. <laughs> What you got, Judah? Oh, it's just ham. It's not ham. ham. It's not ham. <laughs> oh, man. Wait. Oh, but here's, here's my question, though. Hold on. Hold on a second. Here's my question. At this point, was ham prohibited? <laughs> well, I mean, no, I guess not. Wasn't that with the Mosaic Law? <laughs> we haven't yet gotten there. That's what all the Bible scholars. That's my question. Could he have had ham? Guys, I kid oh, you not, on. these are, th- this is a picture of sometimes what it turns into with our kids. Like, no joke. Just really, truly enjoying the word of God and just exploring those questions. Sometimes I don't have answers. Maybe when you call in, you can let me know if, if ham was prohibited at this point. So let's Someone's try it again. Like, let's, for sure it was. Let's rewind it. Let's rewind it. Lamb? I'm having lamb. a lamb okay, sandwich. Lamb sandwich. Just, okay. A lamb sandwich. There you go. That's funny. Um, somebody put that on your menu. All right. So here we go. They sit down to eat after they throw their brother in a pit, yes. which to me just seems sort of like really super callous. Right. Yeah. yeah All right. I would say so. um, <laughs> verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brother, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that, that he wore. And mm-hmm. then they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm and myrrh. 
on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Well, these dudes are something. I tell you, the Bible is very real. Now, can I pause <laughs> for a second here? Guys, you have brothers conspiring here against their brother. Mm-hmm. One of the plans that they come up with is to sell their own flesh and blood. And look which one, Judah. Oh, <laughs> hell, hell, Judah. The Bible, man. But look, sometimes we are afraid to talk about the reality of people being sold into slavery mm. because we think if we talk about those things, we are saying something about ourselves because it is a public narrative or a current narrative, right? When, and, and we've had, we've done a couple shows on this where we've talked about the fact that when you have the transatlantic slave trade, you have to have Africans selling Africans. Fact. So in other words, facts, you have to have, brothers selling brothers and sisters. Yep. But nobody wants to talk about that. See, that's when you start at a convenient place in your narrative because you have an end that you're trying to get to. You have a goal or you have an objective. But when, look, you fortify your kids when you start with the scriptures. Mm, come on. You provoking your kids, you provoking your kids a sort of deep thinking about issues that goes beyond the situation that they're even looking at. They can think deeper about issues. And in this case, what are we talking about? We're talking about sin that exists in the human heart. We're talking about man's propensity to wrong man when man has power. Mm. <laughs> Any man. When he listen, we and I've, I've used this example before, but it's one of my favorites to use because it happened in real time. And I grabbed the example to show our kids how sin lives in the human heart. So I've got the 11 year old who I put in charge over the seven and the five year old. And I can hear him abusing his authority. <laughs> I can hear him. I hear him bossing them around. Just, no, you go over here. It's because I'm the boss. Because I'm the boss. I get to tell you what to do. I'm the boss. And I hear it. And then the 13-year-old comes and is like, JD's being too harsh with the littles. He's really taking it. He's just abusing his power. I go, you know what? I hear it. JD, you're out. Gabby, you're in charge. She turns right around. All right, this is how it's going to be. JD, get out of here. <laughs> like, wait. Oh, so I go back, y'all, I, I kid you not, this is fact. This, this is real life. So I go back and I say, hold on a second. You've been in power point two seconds. <laughs> right, right. Look at what your power has done to you. Man. It has corrupted you Come in on, point man. two seconds. Mm. Guys, we are not talking about color. We're talking mm. about heart. We're talking about sin infecting the human genome. Yeah. We're talking about death. Because of sin. So when we have these conversations, this is among so many other reasons. This is why the whole like critical race theory and all of these things about people in power and dominant. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's foolishness. It's ridiculous. Anybody who has power has the propensity to abuse it. Yep. It doesn't matter what your color is. 
So when people say, well, this person, you know, would not oppress because it's not in their nature to do so. <laughs> it's like, then you don't know human nature and you have bought into a lie. Because here you have these big brothers who have some power. And they take advantage of their younger brother who probably is a little bit like, hey, guess what I dream? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. probably just a little extra. You know what I mean? Probably just a little bit. <laughs> Coming out there with the coat and the sleeves and everything. Like, <laughs> right. probably just a little bit extra. But when we talk about what's going on in the human heart, we recognize that the word of God is confirmed. Our need for a savior is confirmed. And when you teach kids, when your starting point is the truth of the word of God, mm -hmm. kids are able to make a connection and they can't be robbed of that truth. Because guess what? If the narrative is, you know, there are certain people groups that oppress other people groups and those people groups are inherently wicked. They are evil simply because of the color of their skin. And given the power that they have, they will abuse that power. So that power has got to be wrestled away from them. Then if you train kids in the truth, their logical question will be, so then where does the power go? <laughs> Who gets the power next? And how do we know that the person with power next won't abuse it? Because based on everything I've seen in scripture, people who have power will abuse it. And it doesn't matter their skin color. It doesn't matter if they're related to one another or not. <laughs> but we often don't start here. Where we start is usually with sort of an American-centric viewpoint yep. of history. So even when we talk about slavery, people kind of cringe because they think that, like, America invented slavery. Right. Oh, no. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> I mean... Come on. I mean, that's the story you're just talking about with Joseph. They were going to sell him. He was sold <laughs> so, into slavery. slavery. So America Guys. was nowhere around at okay, that point. <laughs> by people look who looked like him. Right. Okay, he was sold into slavery by people it's who looked like man. him. It's the heart now, of man. Let me tell you something else that is uncomfortable because just as we get uncomfortable to talk about the reality of sin. We get uncomfortable to talk about the reality of partiality. Mm. We also sometimes get uncomfortable in talking about the reality of God's sovereignty. Now, when you look back on different situations and you mm -hmm. look back on different historical moments, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's very difficult to view those moments from eternity downward right looking what is the purpose and the plan of God what is God revealing what is God working for his own end what is God doing now and and this was a question that came up this morning even as we were talking about Joseph um the question was we know that God does not cause man to do wrong but it really does seem like God worked with the wrong doing to bring about his purpose <laughs> and that's a fact <laughs> Yes. Look, the dream that Joseph had came before he was sold into slavery, obviously. Right. So God's plan was for Joseph to be saved, even though he was sold. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> People don't like that. They, they, God's plan was for Joseph to be saved even though he was sold so that he could preserve a people for the Lord. Mm. But before you get to the revelation, and I mean a literal revelation where Joseph cries so bitterly that even though he sent the other Egyptians out, they heard him. Right. The Bible right. includes yep. that detail. He yeah. sends them out because he's about to explode with emotion. <laughs> 
But the Bible says they still heard him when he revealed himself to his brothers. Yeah. There was a whole lot of living and suffering that happened between the being sold and the revealing of this is what God did. We'll be right back. Then Joseph could not control himself. This is Genesis chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out for me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. I am such a visual person. I try to imagine what this moment um, might have been like what this moment yeah. might have felt like yeah. not only for the brothers but for Joseph yeah. right I am Joseph is my father still alive but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence <laughs> I mean, can you I, imagine? I mean yeah I mean they're like they're thinking they're seeing a ghost or something like that's, that's the <laughs> one with the coat y'all that's the, the one, one with that the coat. we put in the uh, we sold <laughs> I mean I'm sure the all one these with the different, coat yeah, in charge of everything. Yeah, when we threw in the pit and then ate lunch, <laughs> lamb sandwich. So <laughs> Joseph said to his brothers, "Come near to me, please." And they came near, and he said, "I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Mm. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here." For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but mm. God. Wow. Now, <laughs> Wow. This messes some people up, right? Because we choose when we want to acknowledge the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign when he does what we want him to do. But when he does what we don't want or we don't expect or that makes us uncomfortable or is difficult to conceptualize or is not the way we would do it, uh, we don't really know. We want to call that sovereign. Mm. Right? But God is either sovereign overall or not at all, right? So we can have these conversations about the history of our country. And, and, and I, I hope that Christian parents will lead in these discussions with their children. If yeah. not, then you entrust it to the wicked. Who's going to teach them the wrong things. Why? We why know this. You, we, we, know this. <laughs> we know we this. We know it for a fact. Why would you trust that people who don't fear God as you fear God People who don't understand sin and rebellion, but also redemption and forgiveness. People who really don't understand justice. The Bible says that the wicked do not understand justice. They don't. Why would you trust them to teach your kids? Why would you expect that if we can just have them not teach this thing, then everything else must just be okay? No, man. If, if what, we are teaching our kids does not begin with the knowledge of God. 
if it does not begin with the fear of God, then it is not knowledge. It is not wisdom. Mm -hmm. It is not understanding. And yet on a day like today, on a day like today, um, or a day like tomorrow, or a day like maybe on Friday, I don't know whenever your schools will meet or however that will all fall down, there will be attempts to teach history absent of God. Right. Let me say that again. There will be attempts to teach his story <laughs> absent of him. History yes. absent of him. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. When knowledge begins without God, the expected possibility, the strong possibility that you should expect is fiction or exaggeration or self-serving bias. A lot of that last one. <laughs> self-serving <laughs> self -serving bias. That is what our kids are being served and it's being called history. But I'm, I'm going to tell you that so often the reason that we are losing our kids is because they have been indoctrinated away from the truth right under our noses. We think that what they receive often is a neutral education, but it is not. It is an education that begins slanted away from God. Mm. It begins slanted with the thought or the notion or the concept that you can begin knowledge without him. That you do that on the weekend. Those are your extracurricular activities. But this is the real thing. This is where it really counts. And we reaffirm that. We underline that when we live that way. Yep. When we tell our kids it's, it's okay for you to put God aside to get your education. And then, you know, on the weekends, you know what I mean, uh, we can pick up a Sunday Maybe a Wednesday night, but we can keep all of that within the confines of our church. But then when you go out into the real world, you got to play by their rules. Mm. Well, what I'm saying to parents is you teach your kids, you don't play by their rules. You submit to the leadership of God. You teach your kids beginning with the knowledge of God and the fear of God. And then you won't have fear that they will reject you yeah. and reject the truth that you've taught them. All right. 888. 589-8840, 888-589-8840. You can comment on what we're talking about this morning. And basically, um, I guess you could say in a nutshell, I'm talking about the knowledge of God. It's necessary for how we train our kids. It's necessary for even in equipping our kids in history. On a, on a day like today, when you're going to talk about partiality, as our culture calls it, racism, discrimination, prejudice, injustice, all of these things must be rooted in the knowledge and the fear of God. Amen. All right. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Chris in Ohio. Hi, Chris. Hi there. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure. no problem. Hey, I, I really appreciate what you're talking about, God's sovereignty. I wanted to add in a, a verse from Acts uh, 2.23. It says, this man talking about Christ delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Mm. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But it was, it was God's plan before, <laughs> before time. Wow. Yeah. Man, Amen. Chris, that's powerful. 
That is powerful. Thank you so much for that. Listen, we as the body of Christ, we have got to be more comfortable probably than a lot of us are with the sovereignty of God, with God intervening in the affairs of men, even and and man, and this this um the way the Lord works even with our own sinful nature to bring about his plan and his purposes. Do you understand? Now, look, this does not mean, and I, man, and, and this is something that is important. And, but here's the thing. Can I, can I tell you something? Kids understand this. Do you know that kids understand that it does not justify what Joseph's brothers did, that God used it for his glory? Mm-hmm. Do you understand? <laughs> you don't even have to say that. So you don't even have to go back over and say, because, because here's the thing, as they have been reading other stories in scripture and they're reading these stories, knowing that this is the line through, through which Jesus would come. And they're looking at their different, like, you know, practices and things. And, and, you know, Reuben with one <laughs> of his father's wives. And, and so the, the kids are like, it's not right just because it's Jesus's line. Right. 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 Because not everything that you read is prescriptive. Sometimes it is descriptive. It is telling you what happened, not that you should do it. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Tony in Mississippi. Hi, Tony. Hey, Will. Hey, Mickey. Hello. Hello. I, I just wanted to make a comment concerning education and what you were talking about earlier concerning corruption, how it, it knows no color. And um, we have a hard time with recent history, let alone history from <laughs> 200 years ago. And, and, um, and I think about the comments when Maxine Waters, and not being political, but when she was talking about harassing people wherever they go to the mm-hmm. restaurant yep. and things like that. And then I thought about, well, that's what George Wallace said when, when, <laughs> when um, blacks weren't allowed to go into restaurants down there. And I'm the I'm one. Well, tyranny is tyranny. It has nothing to do with color. Come it's on. It's just tyranny. Yeah. Come on. You're right. Oh, man, what an excellent point. Great point. And, 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 and man, to go back to how you started your comments, too, Tony, um, yeah, we can't, we can't remember things from two weeks ago. <laughs> right. we, we can't remember things from two years ago. And it's amazing because, again, so many of our political leaders, using the term loosely here, bank on that. They bank on us not being able to keep yep. in line or keep in order the things that they've said or the things that they have accused other people of saying or doing so that when they turn around and say or do it, they will, you know, be confident that we have forgotten it, <laughs> that it's kind of cycled off of our mind. Yeah. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Doug in Virginia. Hi, Doug. Hey, how are you? Hello. Good. Thank you. Hey, I would like to make a comment and thank you all for speaking the truth and love, first of all, and mm-hmm. This is about the sovereignty of God and, the, and um, how Joseph, if you read the story starting in chapter 37 and see the comparison of him and Jesus, how his own brothers sold him into slavery. Mm. You know, the price of the slave was the, um, what they sold him for, and he was the chosen son. And uh, he, through it all, he never, you never heard him complain or anything. He like that last comment said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just read it again, 
looking through the lens of the gospel, you will see mm. so many comparisons. Mm. And the same with Isaac, if about Abraham bringing Isaac to the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, reading it through the lens of the gospel is amazing. Joseph was an amazing role model. Amen. Amen. Can I say something, Doug? I'm so glad that you pointed that out. In fact, let me just say this. I want to echo what you're saying, and I want to say that that is the best way to view this. Mm. In fact, that's the first way that we view it. What I'm talking about today is like secondary, tertiary. Like that's like, you know, (laughs) down the line. But what you just said, Doug, that's the way we view this. We view this in light of the foreshadow, the shadows and the types of what God was going to do to save mankind. Like, I think you're spot on with that observation. Thank you so much for bringing that in, uh, Doug. I appreciate it. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Arlene in Louisiana. Hi, Arlene. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. I'm a first-time caller, and I want to say right off that I am in love with the love that you two have for the Lord, but for each other and your family. And that is so refreshing to hear over the radio, on the street, anywhere. So (laughs) I I love you guys for that. I wanted to comment on on a lot that I go through in the South and um, about the— the sovereignty of God is totally, like you said, only when it pleases you, we seem to regard it as such. And then, of course, when it doesn't, we go, what? But the church and the children and the parents teaching children in the South, I have seen so many church buildings grow and grow and grow. And so our children go there to worship on Sunday, on Wednesday, and whatever else organizations they have for our children. But then when they send them to public school on the other day. So the mixture of that is is just totally, to me, it's an upheaval in my heart because while they were making more room for people to come in and a membership sort of thing, why did they not, why don't they build a school? Mm. Why don't they build a school for their children? Because there would be no division. To be to make a difference in the world, the children have to know, learn, and embrace being different. Well, how can they be different when you send them to fight off everything that you hope they come mm. back to regain two days a week? I never understood it. <laughs> the South is really not the big born-again Christian area that i have found so it's not anyway i had to tell you that 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 went on right i was served on the board and i didn't make a big deal about it because i said something and that was not a big enough thing but i was so broken Mm. about it we have children that go to public school that are born again kids that come they're involved but they struggle and struggle and then uh, so many have overdosed because they got involved. Or, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just sad. And I don't know why it's not happening. They buy, like, acres to add on to there. But what's a church? Just what is a building that embraces people that come in of all races and creed and, and sinners and come in to accept the Lord as their Savior and have children and know that they can learn to walk in their footsteps every day, not just mm. on appointed day. So, yes, mm. Arlene, man, you have made you, so many, um, <laughs> so <Man>. many salient points. <laughs> really? Okay, in your comments. Let me just say this. This is what I was thinking as you were talking. 
I think one of the most tragic things to come out of the American experiment is that Christians lost their sense of identity. So I, I talk often about the us and the them. Unfortunately, so many Christians in America do not understand that the us is the body of Christ. So we haven't felt a need to protect our kids, right, from the wickedness that would be pervasive in the culture. Yeah. Oh, there's so much more to say, Arlene. <laughs> I want to pick up with this tomorrow. Until then, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>